Today is Wednesday, May the 30th, and you're listening to the Hinterviews podcast, hosted by National Arts Centre English Theatre Artistic Director Peter Hinton, produced by the National Arts Centre English Theatre, and coming to you from the Panorama Room of Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa. I'm Laura Denker. Welcome to this final NAC English Theatre podcast in the 2006-2007 season and to a series we call The Hinterviews. In each episode, we hope to take you into the intimate world of the artists and creative minds behind the productions on stage. In today's Hinterview podcast, Peter interviews playwright Marie Clements about her new play, Copper Thunderbird, inspired by the life of the hugely influential Aboriginal artist, Norval Morisot, and being presented as the final production in the 2006-07 season of English Theatre at the National Arts Centre. Thank you all for coming out this afternoon, and welcome. And uh, this afternoon, with great uh, pleasure, uh, I uh, introduce to you Marie Clements, who is the author of Copper Thunderbird. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Marie first. Um, Marie is an award-winning performer, playwright, screenwriter, director, producer, and she's the founding artistic director of Urban Inc. Productions in British Columbia, who was the co-producing company on Copper Thunderbird, our production that some of you will see this afternoon. Her 10 plays, including Burning Vision, The Unnatural and Accidental Women, and Urban Tattoo, have, presented, have been presented on some of the most prestigious stages for Canadian and international work, including the Festival de Théâtre des Amériques in Montreal, where Urban Tattoo was presented in 2001, and Burning Vision was presented in 2003. And some of you might have seen Burning Vision because it was the first production that was presented as part of the first Magnetic North Theatre Festival. Uh, here in Ottawa five years ago. Um, her plays have garnered awards, including the 2004 Canada-Japan Award for Burning Vision. Uh, the play was also shortlisted for the 2004 Governor General's Literary Award, Jesse Richardson Awards, and a Jack Webster Journalism nomination. As a writer, Marie has worked in a variety of mediums, which... I hope we'll talk a little bit about this afternoon, including theater, performance, film, multimedia, radio, and television. And her latest writing projects include her film, Unnatural and Accidental, which was invited to premiere at over 15 film festivals, including the MoMA Festival in New York, the Toronto Film Festival, the Vancouver Film Festival, and the American Indian Film Festival in 2006. Currently, Unnatural and Accidental has received 10 nominations for the Leo Awards, including Best Screenplay. As a producer and director, Marie has been involved in the development of over 70 productions of new work across forums and disciplines, and Copper Thunderbird will be published by Talon Books in the fall of 2007. So please join me in welcoming Marie Clements today. Marie, I wanted to open the conversation by, uh, um, what was your first experience in theater? What gave you the bug or turned you on to theater? Uh, there was this woman, uh, 
how can I describe her? Uh, her name was Aunt Dady. Auntie Dady. <laughs> so funny once you see the show. But uh, she wasn't that kind of auntie. She was, uh, uh, but her name was Auntie Dady, and uh, she was originally from England and had been uh, teaching elocution and dramatic arts in Vancouver for probably 70 decades. And uh, when I met her, she was, I think, 85. Mm. And, uh, and quite vibrant, and she was teaching uh, dance and movement and elocution and uh, dramatic theater. And so I became um, addicted to her. <laughs> but she was very uh, vibrant and uh, had worked on vaudeville and, and uh, different, you know, all sorts of different forms. And she was quite, uh, could be quite military about her discipline uh, of the arts. And so I think I went to her, like her place three times a week, um, uh, and training in, in different areas of the, the courses she taught, and uh, then became kind of a friend of hers. And um, I was looking for a job, so I became her kind of housekeeper on the weekends. And so <laughs> <Wow>. we <laughs> we hung out a lot, and I was able to get all her great stories. You know? Huh? Yeah. And um, did you begin as a performer? And then went to writing, or had you always written and performed? Or well, I think like most of us, I, I think a lot of us uh, write. Um, uh, our closet writers <laughs> and bad poetry writers uh, in in our teenage years. Um, but I, yeah, I I was really <clears throat> uh, passionate about uh, acting, about performance, about being an actor, and uh, that was my first love, I guess. And then um, I was on this long tour. Um, a lot of us, uh, you know, when you're starting out as an actor, you audition for roles, and then you get a gig um, in children's theater. And uh, you do two shows a day, and you're traveling across the country in these vans. And uh, with puppets, I with, believe. Stop it. We don't, <laughs> we're trying to be nice today. Every, every, time Peter, every time Peter mentions puppets, there's a problem. We have a problem. But um, and then I said, "What is the puppet problem?" And uh, Marie shared with me a story of being on the road and a doing. Uh, we well, that story is we did uh, fifty uh, communities in BC. And if you traveled in BC, you know, like you know, sometimes it's easy to get to places, and sometimes it's really difficult. And then you have five hundred pounds of set, and these puppets that we would have to. <laughs> carry in like, like these big suitcases of puppets over like suspension bridges and and uh, you know on these trails to get to community centers and things and and we did so many shows that um, I had I got I think it's tendonitis in yeah. my thumb oh my God. and so like when you're learning puppetry it's kind of fun like it's great and it's fun and you can articulate the little tiniest little movement with them but when you have tendonitis it becomes like this right <laughs> Yeah. And so I was kind of bitter about that, but, <laughs> but we laughed a lot. But uh, so you you um, worked as an actor and then began writing your own plays. What was the first play you wrote? That you uh, the first play on this on, on one of these great tours, children's tours, uh, was that you get in a routine of doing shows and you load in, you load out. Then you might you know you might go bowling if they have a bowling center. You might go for a few drinks. You might go see a theater, you know, a film. Uh, you might argue with your cast friends, um, you know. The, but the the uh, the cycle of that is that you're always looking for something else to do. So I thought, well, why don't I try writing a, a play because I have so much time, you know, after the show, 
And uh, so I started writing, I was reading a lot of Greek, um, Greek plays. Huh. And I uh, was really, uh, I, I, I don't know, I, I think I, the scope of Greek plays and the tragedy and, and the idea that, that uh, human beings are connected to their environment, that are gods, and that the gods are um, at once um, really incredibly beautiful and flawed. Uh, I really loved yeah. and connected to that. So I started uh, reading a lot about um, uh, Troy in, in, in that period and uh, wrote a play called Age of Iron, which uh, means a loss of way. Hmm. And it was centered around Cassandra, who um, had a vi- you know, was a visionary and uh, but kind of cursed uh, that no one would believe her visions. So that's I started with that, yeah, and wow. Women of Troy, and uh, yeah. So that's my first play. Um, you write for many different mediums, and um, w- could you speak just a little bit about what the differences are between writing for theater versus writing for film? Like sometimes what our audiences say a lot is, uh, why don't you record your plays? Why don't you do videos of them? And it's a very different medium, right? Uh, writing for television or writing for film or writing for theater. What has your experience been in working in those different mediums? Um, I, think, I think the biggest difference is just every, every form of storytelling has a different energy. So you're trying to find um, how can you take your skills from one form and, and find what the energy it takes to tell it in another. So as we know, you know we've all... Uh, you've, worked in radio and in and, and, and different forms also and but you're trying to find what you, can you lift up from that and, and carry it into the next form so I don't know theater is very unique because it is so um, so present and uh, informed by that the energy of the audience and the energy that you give to the actors and you're bouncing back an experience that you're sharing together in a room uh, whereas you know radio I love radio uh, for different reasons because it it um, I don't know. I think radio for me has always been a romantic huh. way of of uh, uh, receiving story, um, and maybe it's because I think our parents that was really their form uh, right. uh, to receive stories and and the news from the world was through radio. And uh, I always remember I went to uh, I could be totally wrong, but I think his name is Frank Capra or Capa. Huh. It's a famous Capra, yeah, Capra, yeah, yeah. photographer, Capra. and um, I, I was in the museum or in this. They exhibited his work, and they had all the stories, um, all the pictures, black and white. These beautiful, romantic, and wow. terrible, and and gorgeous pictures of uh, men going to war, and uh, mm-hmm. I was really. It was so uh, like it really struck your heart uh, with everything, the promise. Um, of these men and the and their love and the the women that so it was really an amazing um, hit for me, but also uh, the idea that and my mother would say, well, they didn't have TV in the north, and that the only way they received any news was through the radio, right. and sometimes that made her world uh, scarier because uh, you receive news but you can't see it. So it becomes, it can huh. seem like the world is ending. You know, it can seem yeah, really, yeah. the stakes are higher um, because you can't, you're not witnessing it with your eyes. You're interpreting it once yeah. it hits you, right? It's like, uh, you know, uh, Robert Lepage was asked, like, what is the most visual medium? And he said radio. Oh, okay. You know, because yeah, yeah. of that very thing, that imagination. Yeah. Um, 
uh, about nine years ago. Is that right? Is it that long? <laughs> that wow. Is Yves Fouidorand, who um, is uh, the artistic director of Andenoc Theatre in uh, Quebec, commissioned Marie to write Copper Thunderbird. Um, what was that like when he asked you to do that? And uh, Well, as a, a, a younger writer, I, I was really honored that yeah. he would. And, and also, you always get kind of fearful because um, someone's asking you to <laughs> write something, uh, really, that is going to take not, you know, it's not like a, a little piece of poetry. It's a commitment uh, over a number of years. And, and you don't even think years when you begin something. You just think it's a commitment and a responsibility to try to, uh, t to do it well uh, and with some integrity that can carry you through. So I was really excited. And I mean, uh, I didn't, I had... Uh, I had known that Norval Morso, obviously, uh, to me, was uh, the father of contemporary native art. I knew that, just to say it like that, uh, with not a lot of depth to, to those words. Um, and I had, you know, I was brought up in Vancouver, living in the city, and of course it was pretty well documented of his struggles um, on the streets on the downtown east side. So there was this kind of huge uh, scope from, from this master artist that I understood was a master artist in the art scene to this image that was uh, being uh, constantly uh, given to me through the media uh, of him, you know, basically of, of, the, of the native Indian on the downtown east side. So I think for me what was great was to find out what was between those images and those reference points and uh, kind of explode what, like, people don't get anywhere just because they weren't born uh, on Skid Row. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a deeper story and a more complex story and I think a more interesting story than what sometimes we're given in the paper. Uh-huh. And, and what is it, do you think, about Norval that makes his story uh, important, that mm. makes it national? Is there, is there a, a certain aspect of it that you could speak well, to you perhaps or I think the biggest gift in in uh, being involved in this project for so long and and so deeply is uh, survival you know uh, incredible survival and ability to uh, keep standing up and saying uh, I don't know there, there's a, a real humanity to him that yeah. is not uh, just Aboriginal it's it's not just non-aboriginal it, it kind of encapsulates like it, it it's so huge that it can it can take anything and make something beautiful out of it yeah and i guess that's the gift of his um you know that he's given to us yeah yeah um i wanted to open it up to you at this point to see if you have any questions for marie uh about her work as an artist or about uh the play copper thunderbird and um be happy to field any questions you might have. Oh, I think there's one over there. Yeah. The question was, uh, has Marie met Norval? Mm -hmm. Yes, I, uh, we all, uh, I, I think about a month ago now. Yeah. It feels like about 10 years ago now, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. But um, uh, Peter, uh, Norval lives in uh, Nanaimo, 
with his, uh, he has a, an adopted son that's been caring for him for some time in, his, in that family and his family. So Peter flew out and, and met with him and uh, myself and the dramaturge Paula Dankert, uh, we also went there and met with him and, and spent a day uh, in his family home and uh, read him the play, which yeah. is... <laughs> Every time I say that, I went, oh, I can't right. believe you did Can't believe that happened. Yeah. But um, yeah, we, we read the play to him um, over, a, I guess, a course of seven or eight hours. Um, not that it took me that long, but um, we, we talked through things and, and, uh, and you know, had meals together and, and were able to um, kind of go through the play um, with him in a really mm-hmm. intimate way. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you go to see uh, a fine arts exhibit in a museum, the question was if when Marie goes to see Norval's paintings in a gallery, does she find herself getting in conversations with the curators about the work? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a nat- it's it's a natural thing because we we look at I think we look at curators kind of like the host of a house. We, <laughs> you know, they've they've yeah. let us come into their house, so we 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 talk to them and and yeah. kind of you know how was your day? I don't know. There's something yeah. that's really yeah. um, hospitable about the experience, but um, definitely you know I've talked to different curators curators um, in places where his work has been exhibited, but I was I. I, I I would imagine a lot of people in this room went to his exhibit uh-huh. last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what I loved about it, which I'd never experienced before in an art gallery, was that people weren't just uh, weren't just looking like standing up and looking at it or sitting down and looking at it. Uh, what my experience was that when I went in, people were like laying on the ground <laughs> looking up. Yeah. And and kids yeah. were you know kids were like sitting cross-legged looking at these uh, you know um, yeah. just huge paintings in color. So I'd never exp- you know I've never witnessed that, and it was so great and and really made the art. I don't know, alive in another in another way. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You didn't say anything about what did Morisot think of your plays. <laughs> well, I guess the short story is we wouldn't be here if he didn't look at <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I, I, to be honest, I mean, I think it's it's really intimidating to meet um, a master artist and 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 also you know people of age that are older than you and and have a life they've lived a life an extraordinary lives, and and um, also you know that if you admire somebody, mm-hmm. uh, you're hoping that they will like you. Yeah. <laughs> Please like me. It's so silly, aren't we? But um, but I think that was that was the thing and and one of the um, you know the difficulties was uh, he is battling Parkinson's, which is you know a, a hard uh, disease in many senses. But obviously communication, um, you know the the um, effort it takes to communicate is is really uh, gigantic. Um, but what I I guess one of the most shocking things was that I I didn't. I think because I'd read so much on him and read so many stories, and some of those stories were great, and some of those weren't. Um, and he is a grand shaman. I kind of, I was a little going, oh, oh, I hope he likes this because if he doesn't, you know, and and he's a very powerful presence. Um, and I thought, oh, I hope he's not mad. Like I hope he's not. Um, but he was so gentle. Like his spirit was so gentle, and 
if you can, you know, we all go see theater, and I mean, sometimes it's a real, you know, it's a real test to sit two hours in a theater with your attention, and you're trying to, you're trying to, you know, fill it in you and, and accept everything. But, you know, he has Parkinson's and he has these challenges, but he pretty much sat for eight hours. And we, as we read, as Paul and I read the story to him, and he was able to take that in and be, like, it, and it wasn't that he was sleeping or that he looked away or that he, he was engaged. He was totally connected with us, looking right at us. And he would rise up at certain parts of the play and direct us, literally, uh, <laughs> to be louder, to stand. He was a stand-up. <laughs> and um, so I, I, it was a really, uh, you know, a huge gift, I believe. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if you could say something about the process of writing the play from the standpoint, I mean, I understand that you included a lot, you know, of the um, Aboriginal mythology, the whole idea of a shaman, the man, etc., the young boy, and, and his developmental history. So the, the question is about the process of creating the script and um, what that experience was for Marie and what influences of Norval's art and uh, Aboriginal history and uh, storytelling was involved in that. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're looking at um, uh, visual art, uh, you're being presented uh, and offered a world, uh, a perspective. And so I guess the biggest challenge really was to I mean, my belief is that that what constructed Norval Morso, what has what has continued to inform who he is and transform who he is, is that is his ability to believe. So he embraced uh, Ojibwe cosmology, the traditions of the Ojibwe people, um, as a young man with teachings from his grandfather, embraced that wholeheartedly. That was his natural state, and he also embraced um, Catholicism. Uh, he embraced Christianity with the same dedication um, because of its intense beauty that he could that he could hang on to, and uh, and and now he's and I was corrected on this pronunciation. It's an echinist or echinkarist. An echist. Echist. Okay. I'm not sure. It's the yes. practice of echinkar. Yeah. And um, in that, it, it it is a practice of uh, or belief of astral traveling the ability to leave our bodies and travel <laughs> to another place. So as you can see, I mean, he is a man of, with, with an ability uh, and a desire and a, a need and a wish and an and ability. It's just amazing to believe, to believe in things. And that's what I think uh, was my, in, my um, you know, dive in on this, the take of the script was going, here's a man that's taken everything that he is, everything that he believes and put it on canvas. Yeah. So what is the exploration then? Like, what do we believe? When do we have crisis of belief? And how do we, uh, like, how do we, we might believe something, but what is the other world telling us? And how do we, you know, reconcile that and continue? So those were the things that I was trying to, you know, investigate in, in his art, uh, the art of him, really, uh, and his ability to put that on canvas. Yeah. Anyone else? Yes, I wondered if he, um, the question was, was, was Norval Morisot 
uh, a practicing shaman within any communities? Yeah, he's he uh, he's known as a grand sh- shaman, grand shaman of his people. So I and I, you know, I'm not um, in their society, so I don't know what that practice entails. But he definitely is recognized as as a grand shaman. Yes, yeah. I think there was yes. <gasps> oh, <Uh-oh>. trouble. <laughs> yes. What do you feel is the place of Aboriginal theater within the Canadian theater landscape? You're going to get me in trouble, Franz? Huh? The question is, what is, uh, has been asked Marie to speak on what is the, the place of Aboriginal theater within the larger Canadian landscape? Hmm. Oh, boy. Eh? Go for it. Yeah. Go for it. Um, well, I believe, you know, I, I think this is Canada. Um, Aboriginal people were the first peoples of this land. Um, our history is here, our land is here, our roots are here, our blood is here, um, and so this should be our place. Um, I think that is not a singular vision, it's an inclusionary vision of all peoples, because we're all here together, living together, um, and, and, and have contact with each other. And uh, So I believe we should start here in Aboriginal theatre, and, and as we have, include everybody you know, in, in our experience as Canadians uh, in our identities. Yes. Kind of a trite question, but about marketing. Um, Are you making a particular effort to market the play through the National Gallery, to the artistic community, and on the other hand, to market it to the uh, First Nations community? It's a question about marketing and what efforts have been made to market the play through the exhibit with the gallery and First Nations community. And <coughs> you could perhaps talk to Laura on that one there, where there's been many uh, hmm. initiatives that we've made this year to try to uh, uh, open the audience too, because uh, a big challenge here is that the audience is predominantly a white audience and uh, a European-born audience, and so. For us to be a national art center, we have to open our doors to all people. So um, there's many similar kind of things being initiated with marketing as well, for sure. Yeah? Is Marie working on another project currently? (laughs) Ah. Uh, It's making me tired. (laughs) Um, Well, I think like most artists, we we usually work on two or three things. you know, we, we, we have a process with that, and then we go over to this thing over here, and then we work on that over there. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping to work on a project around, it's called the Edward Curtis Project. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, kind of based on an uh, ir- ironic twist on the um, North American Indian Project. So, uh, the Edward Curtis uh, collection. Is he the, the photographer? Yeah. Okay. Are you familiar with the pho- his photographs? Are, they're, are they... 19th century or? Yeah, or? I think from 1906 to okay. 1940. Yeah. I think he died in 52. Huh. But a very interesting uh, a photographer, not only for his, uh, the, the beauty of his, his art form, but also he documented, literally documented yeah. uh, Aboriginal tribes across the Americas. And it's said that, uh, and some of the things I've been reading, that this undertaking that he did was similar to, they compared it to, at the time and the day when it was released, they compared it to uh, the writing, the King James Version of the Bible. 
Oh wow! So it's, it, this was a headline, and I don't know, something like forty-two or something. Wow! But um, so I wanted to go back and look at. Uh, there's been so much about the documentation of Aboriginal people, and what I loved about his photographs, I think, is what we all love. It's incredibly beautiful and 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 courageous and brave and all those things that he that he you know yes. took him to do this, but it's also um, incorrect. <laughs> in many cases mm. and he dressed people up um, uh, to to look a certain way right? and to oh. you know recreate like war scenes when they were like they didn't even have wars or you know I mean it was huh. it's quite but I find that you know intriguing in our history huh. making so I'm, I'm looking you know what is the relationship between uh, people that document and the and, and the people that are documented and um, what's that dialogue and and to go back what we're proposing is to go back to some of the nations that he originally documented and document them again uh, wow. one in the way that he would have documented them but also in a more realistic way um, a, a more photojournalistic way of what's really happening now and try to create a story somewhere in between between that fantastic are you doing this uh, for the stage or for a film? Well, uh, right now it's kind of in the we're in the hope stage, but uh, we are we're uh, talking to the North Vancouver Presentation House in in Vancouver, which has a really beautiful kind of boutique gallery that, that showcases international uh, work. And so, what we're trying to do is connect it to the gallery and then have the experience as we do going into galleries. Of, of looking at uh, you know um, artwork and, and photography and then moving that into the theater so that it can become live so we can blow it up and see what would happen when uh, we're confronted with what we've documented yeah <laughs> great well thank you all very much for coming and thank you Marie thank very you. much for doing thank this you, your comments and questions. You can reach us by sending an email to hinterviews at gmail.com. That's H-I-N-T-E-R-V-I-E-W-S at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting nac.ca slash podcasts. There you'll find our past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. You can also easily find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Search on Hinterviews. This is Laura Denker for Peter Hinton and Company, saying goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa. Thank you.